What's up, sister friends? It is the last Monday of May. And for those of you who don't know, May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. And so for today's episode, I wanted to kind of dive into the mental health piece of our relationship with food and the food choices that we make. If y'all listen to my first episode or pretty much any of my episodes, you guys know my history that I really dove into wanting to help people with their relationship with food because I myself went through it. And for several years, I had an eating disorder and I struggled with bulimia. Now, eating disorders, they are a true mental health disorder. And there is there are many, many layers to it. Um, recovering from an eating disorder is challenging day in and day out. And it's something that requires, I think, support from a dietitian, a therapist, a doctor. I mean, we need a whole, when I work with these individuals today, I work with a whole team and every single member on the team is needed because they're complex. They are a biopsychosocial disorder, which means there's a biological component, which is really what I work on from the nutrition end. There's a psychological component and there's a sociological component. And when we're treating our relationship with food in the eating disorder realm, it's going to require addressing it from all of those angles. So that's my background. That's my history. But today I love working with, well, I like working with people in all areas, but when it comes to food, I'm like pretty much anywhere they let me talk about food, I'm there. Whether it's on the phone and this mic in front of you guys, public speaking, one I mean, I'm there. I'm there for all of it. But one of the places I feel really strongly in helping support people is those who have either recovered from an eating disorder or those who maybe maybe didn't have a full-blown eating disorder but they had like disordered eating and they kind of dabbled in um, you know some not so healthy behaviors with food and now we're kind of like okay now what it's like we don't want to go back to the disordered eating or eating disorder ways but now what? Today I want to talk about some of the things that I have found to be super helpful in staying in a healthy space with food. Um, And I want to let you guys know that these are my thoughts. So this is based on my opinion and my experience, and it is in no way intended to replace the recommendations of a mental health provider. And your journey is your journey. My hope is that this episode gives you some pieces and some insight into my journey, and that either it's something you can relate to and might help and encourage you, or it's going to be something that sends you on a thought train to bring you some peace and perspective on your own journey. I've got four things that I really come back to when I am faced with some of those old eating disorder thoughts. Because here's the thing about recovery. And again, this is my opinion. I 100% believe in 100% recovery from an eating disorder. If I didn't believe that, I, I I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing because it would feel rather hopeless. So if you're out there struggling with an eating disorder or you've had one in the past, I absolutely believe you, like today could be the last day you ever engage in an eating disorder behavior. However, with that, there are some pieces of disordered eating or your relationship with food that are going to show up later. Now, we don't have to engage in it, but it's kind of built into our personality. And so the four things I'm going to talk about today is like, how do you navigate that when you know you don't want to go back to that that dark place with food, you've moved past some of the body image stuff. It's like, how do you navigate some of those old, when those old thoughts pop up, but you don't want to use old behaviors? Hoping it helps you guys out today. It's going to be um, it's a personal episode for me. <laughs> I'm going to be talking a lot about my mental health struggles and how they might show up today and how I work through them. 
and hoping it inspires you guys. We've got so many opportunities in this world and I want to make sure we are soaking up every day and mental health can definitely eclipse that. So I'm hoping this inspires you guys and helps you through some of the highs and the lows. Hey girl, you are amazing and you possess this unique inner awesome that the world so desperately needs. And guess what? Your body size has nothing to do with that. But I get it. I spent way too many years living in insecurity and I have spent the last decade working with women just like you who have struggled with the same. And when it comes down to it, I think our amazingness becomes all too easily eclipsed by two things. Body bullying, which in turn impacts how we take care of our body. Whether it's over or under eating, over exercising or not moving at all, moving from dieting to anti-diet culture, girl, the pendulum just keeps swinging. I started this podcast because it's time to break up with body bullying and find a way to live balanced in your body. I'm Jess, a body bully warrior, registered dietitian, and food freedom guru. I believe that when we stop letting culture define health, beauty, and what we should and shouldn't eat, we are finally free to live in our own bodies. This podcast is just one of the many resources I have for you ladies. Be sure to head on over to JessBrownRD.com. Check out my ebook, e-course, supplements, meal plans. Guys, I've got so much more for you, and I'm adding to that list on the daily. Are you ready to channel your inner awesome at a whole nother level? Grab a cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, and let's dive in to today's show. Before I dive into some of the truths that I hold on to to help me on my tough days, just to give you, I want to give you guys a little bit of background. So I struggled with bulimia when I was in college. I danced with it for like about two years and it was a really trying time. I mean, to get more on my story, go back and listen to my first episode if you haven't done so. I talk about it and the process and how I healed, but I will say one thing in my recovery is I went from... Using my bulimic behaviors, which for those of you who don't know what bulimia is, bulimia is um, using compensatory mechanisms to like, I want to say like, quote, get rid of food. Um, So like I would overeat and then I would either like run to burn off those calories or I would induce some sort of purging mechanism to, to compensate for taking in those calories. Now, when I was a junior in college. I was fortunate enough I got to study abroad in Australia. So it pulled me away from everything I knew. This is going to make me sound old. So this was actually before um, Facebook was really big, before Skype. Like Skype was brand new. We didn't have FaceTime. So I couldn't just like pick up the phone and call my family and my friends. So it really took me out of everything comfortable. And when I first got out there, I I definitely struggled probably the most at that point in time. I was very alone. I felt really isolated. I was literally in a foreign country. And, you know, when you're in those situations, the thing about an eating disorder is like you can't fix the uncomfortable feelings that you feel about your situation. So instead you try to fix your food and fix your body. And if if you could see me, I'm like using air quotes. I'm like, quote, fix your body because there's actually nothing to fix. But when you're in that disordered thinking – you think you can, and it gives you a sense of control. So I really struggled initially when I was in Australia. And over time, I started to grow, I had space, and I began to kind of open up this idea of not living this way anymore. I thought, gosh, this is like, this is gross. I don't like myself. And there has to be a better way. At this point in my life, I did not have a faith. And I returned to my faith while I was 
out in Australia. And I really believe that that was the trigger in which I know it's what led me to recovery and really rooted me back in some values that I had. I really walked away from it, from my faith in college. And that showed back up in my life. I actually had a dream and um, came back to it, started reading the Bible again, and it opened up a whole new world to me. So long story short, my transition out of bulimic behaviors was actually pretty quick. I I was had one week where I was with a group and we did some traveling and we were like in um, hostels and so we couldn't, we were all bunked together in the same room. There, the bathrooms were open bathrooms, so I had no like private time. So I could not engage in any of my behaviors. Like I had no option. And at the same time, we were eating out every single meal and staying up late, just like, you know, all the unhealthy college behaviors. And so I felt like bloated and icky in my body. So I had to do two things. One, I could not engage in my behaviors. And then two, I had to sit with the discomfort of my body not feeling good, not exercising and eating foods that really didn't make me feel um, super like beautiful. (laughs) I was bloated and felt icky. And those two, the combination of those two things allowed me at the end of the week to see that I am okay. Like I could, I could sit in that discomfort in my body. And even though I didn't like it at the end of the week, I was like, I'm okay. And I actually, I had fun. Like when I opened up my eyes, I had a great time with my new friends and it just opened up this world of like, maybe I didn't need to put so much emphasis on my body. Now from there, I did not engage in a single like physical eating disorder behavior again. So in other words, I was not purging. I didn't use exercise to get rid of my food. I stopped binging. Like the behaviors actually stopped cold turkey. What I didn't realize though, is that a lot of the behaviors that led me to bulimia were built into my personality. So like I always say, if somebody is bulimic with food, they tend to be bulimic in life. So for example, I would like binge and purge on food, but I also did that in life. Like I did that with friendships. I did that with relationships and boyfriends and even degrees. Like like I would, uh, my first year of college, I was a business major and I was all about it and I was going to, you know, be, I don't know. I had all these goals and aspirations. And then the next semester I was like, uh, no, I'm not doing anything with business. I'm going to do biology because I'm going to go to pre-med. You know, it just, it's, I would swing and it was really evident in all areas of my life. I see that now in the individuals I work with who are struggling with an eating disorder. It's like if they struggle with anorexia with food, they restrict on food, they do the same thing in life. Like they restrict on relationships. They restrict on feelings. They restrict on vulnerability. They restrict on risk. I mean, we see this. It's the same personality characteristics. That same goes for binge eating. It's like if somebody binges on food, you'll notice they'll do the same thing in life. It's like they'll restrict. Oh, let me back up. So with binge eating disorder, there's a period of restriction and a period of binging. And you'll see that in their life. They have periods and places that they really restrict their voice. But then in other areas, it's like they they let it all out and there's no boundaries. So the boundaries are either really, really rigid or really, really wide when it comes to relationships. So when I'm working to treat any of those disorders, what we actually do is I work with the food piece, but then you work with a therapist to help redefine those boundaries. It's really cool to see how when you balance the boundaries in life, it actually shows up in the balance in food. It's really quite astounding. I noticed that my characteristics and personality were part of who I was. And even though it wasn't showing up in food, it was still showing up in 
how I live my life. And this is the part of recovery that I think gets gray for people and why I think people disagree on whether or not you can fully recover from an eating disorder. Because I don't even touch, you know, bulimic behaviors anymore. I mean, there's just no way I could go back to them because physically I know what they do to me. And like I said, you've probably heard me say this before. I know too much. I know too much about the body. I know too much about food. And I know that bulimia is not something that builds a healthier body. Now, at the same time, those personality and characteristics that like the all or nothing part of me that led me to bulimia is still a part of me. And I have to learn how to navigate that because it still shows up. I go to the extreme faster than... Anyone I know, (laughs) maybe you relate if you think in kind of those all or nothing extreme behaviors, but I've had to learn how to rein it in and it'll still pop up every once in a while. Like I'll do it more than anything, honestly, with my career. I'll have days where I think, gosh, I'm, I'm kicking butt. I'm doing amazing. I'm chasing my goals. I'm dreaming big and trying to serve more. This is great. Life is so good. And literally the next day I can wake up and go, what am I doing? I am a total failure. Do I actually think that I can do this? Do I actually think that I could offer more to people? Because really, I'm doing it quite a terrible job. Like, it's so crazy how extreme it is. And thank God I have wonderful people in my life that help me navigate these highs and lows. Like on the highs, I have people that keep me grounded and humble. And on the lows, I have people that pull me back up. But there are four truths that I really hold on to when this extreme thinking pops back up because it's just a part of who I am. And I've had to learn how to accept that and walk through it in a way that's not destructive. So the four truths I want to talk about today, the first one is pertaining specifically to your health. This was a lesson I really had to wrap my mind around and and give myself permission to hear and feel and change. Because I think extreme, I think in absolutes. Like I think in black or white. Something is right or something is wrong. This is healthy or this is unhealthy. And I had to really gray that up over the years. So number one, health is an ever-changing journey. What is healthy for you today may not be have been healthy for you yesterday, and it may not be healthy for you tomorrow. And so what I mean by that is your journey to health is a journey. It is not something that's like once you decide a certain behavior is something that helps and supports you, that that's how it is forever. No, this is something that's actually ever changing. This became really apparent to me when I returned to exercise. So exercise was a part of my eating disorder where I would get up super early before everybody else and I would go work out. I hit the gym. And for many, many years, that was a really unhealthy behavior because whether I didn't sleep well or regardless of if I was fueling appropriately, like I made myself get up and go to the gym at like four o'clock in the morning and it was really self-punishment. Well, I let that go. I walked away from it. But over time, I decided I needed to add exercise back into my life. Well, in doing that, I looked at my schedule. The only time I could or really wanted to was in the morning. And so I started setting my alarm early and getting up and going to the gym at that early hour initially it weirded me out I was like oh is this unhealthy like am I returning to eating disorder behaviors I had to really challenge that all or nothing black or white thinking because at this new phase in my life that was actually a wonderful place to add exercise I was working you know I'm married now so I wanted to be home in the evenings to be with my husband what was really unhealthy for me in my college years was actually really wonderful for me in my young adult years and then as that progressed I started wanting to work harder and push myself more and so I signed up for a gym 
And then I, I wanted to like commit to a certain amount of weeks that, or a certain amount of days that I showed up and went to the gym. And again, I, like I started setting these goals and it, initially it kind of freaked me out. I thought, gosh, if I start pushing too much, am I, is this bad? Like, am I over committing? Am I going to push my body into a place that's unhealthy? And I had to come back to that. Like what's healthy today may not have been healthy yesterday and it might not be healthy tomorrow, but I have to look at today. And how does working this health behavior into my day add to my life and help me grow and be the healthiest version of myself today? So today, (laughs) this week, I wake up super early and I commit to going to the gym three to four times a week. This is gross. I wake up at like 4, 10 a.m. <laughs> so if you're not a morning person, you probably think, what is wrong with you, Jess? But the reality is I am a morning person and I love that hour. I wake up at 4, 10 a.m. I have my quiet time. I drink my coffee and I sit and prepare for the day. And then I go to the gym at 5.30 and I do that three, three to five times a week. So I have a range. I will get up even if I'm exhausted, even if I slept bad. I will still get up and go. If that was my college self, that would have been super unhealthy. But today, me going to the gym at 5.30 a.m. really serves me. I have a group of people I work out with that are wonderful human beings. They make me want to be better people. And they encourage me and uplift me. And me getting there for that one hour is something that sets the tone for my day. So I had to really let go of my past and focus on today to build my health behaviors that serve me today. I see this so many times with my clients who have struggled with disordered eating or an eating disorder in any capacity. It's like when they're trying to rebuild their health, we hold on to some of those past experiences really tightly and anticipate that when we walk into the same situation today, that we're going to have the same experience. Now, we don't want to neglect those experiences that we had in the past. We want to acknowledge them. We want to learn from them. But we need to have faith that where we are today is different. And we are stronger. And we have grown. And we're going to continue to do that. So this is one of the main truths I hold myself in. Is that health is an ever-changing journey. What's healthy for me today may not have been healthy yesterday. And it might not be healthy tomorrow. But I am constantly evaluating and taking it one day at a time. Number two, if you do have any negative thoughts about your body, you're struggling with food, some of those old thoughts come up, say it out loud. Say it out loud. Say it to someone who understands disordered eating. Say it to a trusted friend or say it to someone that has no idea about eating disorders and doesn't even get it, but say it out loud. Even if the receiving party doesn't fully get it, it helps neutralize the thought just to say it, get it out in the open. When we hold thoughts inside our head, they grow. And when we think like, oh, I don't want to give it attention. I just want to turn that thought faucet off. The thing is, it doesn't go away until we acknowledge it and look it in the face. There's an old saying that says, um, fake it till you make it. And I totally disagree with it. I love the one that says, face it till you make it. And so when I have these old thoughts that pop in, because believe me, I do, (laughs) I still get on the scale and see a number that college Jess didn't like, freaked her out. And I have that initial thought where I'm like, whoa, that's kind of high. That's not what I wanted. But I say it out loud now. My husband, he's never struggled with an eating disorder, never had anyone in his family that struggled with an eating disorder. So he, you know, he doesn't really get it. He doesn't always know what to say, but he listens. And even if he doesn't say the right thing back, the fact that I've said it out loud and acknowledged it and I'm not hiding from it, 
allows me to be stronger and face it till I make it. So say it out loud, whatever that that fear is, say it out loud and you will neutralize it. So the third truth that I really hold on to to help me maintain my healthiest self and not return to those disordered thoughts is that I don't have to take offense. Like I have the opportunity to not take offense to the way other people engage in pursuing their health. This was something that took me, well, all of these took me a while to learn. They really did. I've learned all these because of, I, I failed at them miserably for a long, long time. When you're recovering from an eating disorder, it's a necessary part of the process to reject the disordered eating thought. So for years, I had to really challenge the good or bad food list. Like I had to completely reject that there was bad foods. You could eat whatever you wanted. Like that was a necessary part of my process because if I didn't, I stayed in that that polarized thinking about food where I said, you know, all carbs are bad, but then I wanted carbs. So then I would restrict on them, but then I'd binge on them. So I had to really work to challenge that. And over time, I mean, that's morphed and changed. And now I really sit in a space where I eat what my body responds well to. But one of the things I've had to do along that way and along that journey is when I hear other people say things that I don't agree with. So for example, this was several years ago, but I was at um, traveling and I went to a, a workout class in another state. And I didn't even know the instructor, but she's wrapping it up and she ends the session or the workout session with, all right, everybody go eat something really healthy and don't eat sugar. Sugar causes cancer. I was like, what? Like everything about what you said is so generalized and it's fear-based. And I was so irritated and, you know, I was a dietitian, so I wanted to like walk up to her and tell her why that was the worst thing she could say and she shouldn't do that. But this is the kind of stuff where I've had to learn, like, I have the opportunity to not be offended by what she thinks. Like, if she thinks that, I don't, I mean, on the one hand, I don't think she should be shouting that to a whole class. I mean, she has the role as a personal trainer and a responsibility. So, I mean, there is that piece. However, as an individual, I don't need to be offended by the fact that that's what she thinks about food. It's not my job, unless she comes to me and asks for my help, It's not my job to walk up and correct everybody on their food philosophy and why I think they're not in alignment with how I view food. I see so many of my clients struggle with this today where they work really hard to combat some of the negative nutrition messages they've been given. And then when they go back into the world or they're out of, we call it eating disorder treatment bubble, meaning they're not with like their treatment team or people who understand eating disorders, they will hear someone else say, Something like, oh, I'm on keto and I've lost all this weight and it's great. And that can be really triggering. So I want to give all of you listening permission. Like if you're working on challenging some of these food rules, keep up the amazing work because that is such a challenge because we are constantly bombarded with nutrition information. But here's the secret to continuing to work on that without getting distracted. You have the opportunity to not be offended by what other people are thinking about food and body. Like your walk is your walk, your journey is your journey, and you don't have to take on other people's food stuff. I tell my boys this all the time. Like when they they start fighting and one of them says something mean and they'll come tattle like, mama, you know, Ronan called me a bully. I just look at him and I'm like, brush your shoulders off, dude, brush your shoulders off. And I want to say that to all of you right now. Like if somebody says something that is offensive to you about food and body, unless it's personally targeted towards you, that's a different story. But if they're talking about their stuff, Brush your shoulders off. It doesn't phase you. And you have the opportunity to not take offense. It's amazing what this opens up. 
It keeps you focused on your journey and your process and healing your relationship with food, continuing to make yourself the healthiest version of yourself. And it takes off the pressure that you have this responsibility to fix the other person. And in fact, it actually, I think it opens the door to hear the other person because when people say those triggering things, it's often because they, it's their projection, like they have stuff going on inside. And if we can step back from like the offense and the judgment, we might actually create space to hear them and we might even be able to help them down the road. So that's the third truth that I ground myself in. I don't have to take offense by others that don't agree with or aren't in alignment with my own health philosophy. And then number four, the final truth that I really ground myself in is that a lot of what I was touching on in the beginning is that characteristics and the parts of me that led me to my disordered eating are still a part of me. I have just learned to channel them in new and better, different and brilliant ways. I want to quote Glennon Doyle here in her book, Untamed. So this book came out last year. It's an amazing read. I think she does, well, one, she's so eloquent with words, but she does a really good job of capturing the struggle of mental health and how we can channel and redirect it in positive ways. And this is something that I believe wholeheartedly from personal experience, from sitting across the room time and time again with people who struggle with mental health disorders is that the parts of them that led them to mental health struggles are also the parts of them that can set them freeze. I want to read this excerpt from her book, Untamed. I tried to control myself for so long. I spent 30 years covering and injecting my face with potions and poisons trying to fix my skin. Then I quit and my skin was good. For 20 years, I was attached to a hairdryer and straightener, trying to tame my curls. Then I quit, and my hair was good. I binged and purged and dieted for decades, trying to control my body. When I quit, my body became what it was always meant to become, and it was good too. I numbed myself with food and booze, trying to control my anger. When I quit, I learned that my anger never meant that there was something wrong with me. It meant there was something wrong out there, something I might have the power to change. I stopped being a quiet peacekeeper and started being a loud peacekeeper. My anger was good. I had been deceived. The only thing that was ever wrong with me was my belief that there was something wrong with me. I quit spending my life trying to control myself and began to trust myself. We only control what we don't trust. We can either control ourselves or love ourselves, but we can't do both. Love is the opposite of control and love demands trust. So good. So powerful there. She captures what I see so many of my clients wrestle with. And she captures what I think led me to peace within myself and trusting my body and being at peace with wherever it lands and wherever it falls. And I have to share this piece of my story because it is, it's really the cornerstone of why my recovery has stuck and why I do what I do now. But it was the piece of learning to trust myself didn't actually come from within me. It came from the return of my faith into my life. So this is, <laughs> whether you have a faith or not, I just want to say I I respect where you're at. I have many people in my life who have really struggled with um, religious trauma and feeling hurt by the church. So I want to be really respectful of that and especially talking about this in a broader platform. But I just wouldn't be me if I didn't share this piece of me. So I... I was not, I did not have any faith in college and I really stepped away from that part of my life. And when I came back from studying abroad, I started to explore that in my life again through just reading and 
you know, at the time it was, we, didn't, we really didn't have like YouTube channels. This is, this is going to make me sound so old. It's so funny. <laughs> we didn't have like Facebook or, or all those things. I mean, we had to actually just go to the bookstore and read books. <laughs> but I started exploring that piece again. And I did listen to a sermon, but at the heart of the sermon was a loved person is a powerful person. And to accept that you are loved by God can springboard you into a life you never imagined. And I kind of thought, like, I heard that message and I I saw a lot of value in it, but I really struggled with that core, like, am I really loved? Like, does God really love me? Like, little old Jess over here. And I went to the mall by myself because that's what I do. I go to the mall. I love to shop. Those of you who know me know this about myself. But I went to the mall and I was walking around and there was a diamond store that had these little pins that you could, you know, button on your um, backpack. It was real popular at the time. And their slogan was, I am loved. And this woman was passing them out and I was walking by not really paying attention. And she just said, hey, come here. And I looked at her and she goes, here, you are loved. And she handed me that pen. Oh, I'm going to cry thinking of this. But I just got this like wave of emotion. And I felt like it was truly God reaching out and hugging me and saying, Jess, you are loved. And accepting that helped me reach the peace that Glennon Doyle's talking about in her book and trusting myself, trusting my body, trusting my <laughs> black or white extreme thinking, learning how to navigate that for the good. Like, for example, now I've learned how to channel my extreme thinking to do really cool things like start this podcast. But it helps me know that when I'm high, I need to act and grow and try new things. But when I'm feeling low, I need to seek support and I trust that it will pass. So I've learned to embrace those high and lows and the extreme thinking. And instead of mama. And there's my son saying hello. <laughs> Hashtag working mom life. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. <laughs> I mean, today I still struggle with some high functioning depression. I struggle with highs and lows, but I've learned how to navigate it. And these are really four truths that I go back to, to help me evaluate each day, each season, and work to be the healthiest version of myself, both physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And I really hope they've helped you guys today. So just to recap, those four things that I go back to are, one, health is an ever-changing journey. So what's healthy for you today may not have been healthy yesterday, and it might not be healthy tomorrow, but we have to constantly reevaluate. Number two, say it out loud. If you're struggling inside, say it out loud, whether it's with food, exercise, body image, a relationship, say it out loud. Don't hold that stuff in. Number three, we have the opportunity to not be offended by by what other people say and let other people walk their walk and hear them first before putting that wall up. And number four, the characteristics and the parts of you that led you to your struggles can also be the parts of you that set you free. You just have to learn how to channel your superpower. Like my dad always told us, and I love this. (laughs) He said, Jess, you've got to learn to use your power for good, not evil. All you ladies listening today, I just want to let you know, I believe you have a superpower. I believe you have an inner awesome. And if it's been eclipsed by diet culture, by body image stuff, disordered eating, insecurity, like whatever's wrapped around and grabbed that and stolen that from you, I want you to know that that can be used for good. And that same stuff that got you stuck can be what allows you to be free. You guys are loved. You guys are amazing. And I hope you hear that today. Have a beautiful day. And we will see you next time. Cheers and happy eating.
Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you like today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.